feeling it's gonna be a shorter recording. Not a lot of meat on this bone. I don't know, man. You know, it's funny is at first I was super excited to do this movie when I was putting the list together for the year. <laughs> and then as we got closer to this date, I was like, man, Twister, really? And then I watched it and I was like, no, nah, it's still, yeah, really? But then as I started to do like some research and kind of, you know, deep dive in, I was like, this is some interesting shit. And then I started like thinking not so much about Twister, but more about just the genre in general. But anyways, I guess I'll just go ahead and welcome everyone in. We got Antonio, we got Brian, the three amigos, and we're the three best friends that anyone, anyone could have. Anyone could have. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot wait to do the hangover someday. Soon, hopefully soon. So the movie we're doing tonight is Twister. Uh, a couple things. The film premiered across the United States on May 10th, 1996, 25 years ago, bringing in $494.5 million worldwide on a budget of an estimated $90 million, making it the second highest grossing film of 1996. Can anyone guess what the number one movie was that year? 1996. Space Jam. Ooh. That's actually a really good guess, Antonio. That's not the answer, and it's definitely not Jerry Maguire. One more time. Think about it. Give us a genre. It could be considered a non-natural disaster movie. It's very patriotic. It's a breakout movie for... The Patriots. <laughs> Independence Day. Mm. Never seen it. it. Never... <laughs> You've never seen Independence Day? Nope. Thought you were joking. Thought we were uh, doing a bit. Dead serious. Sorry. I have the VHS of it, but never popped it in the VCR. That makes you you're saying words that don't make any sense. Do you have like eight million VHS as a child or something? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. How did that happen? How did how did you come to possess a VHS that never made it in the VCR? Was it your parents or something? No, it was mine. I know there's a speech. You do know the speech though. That's the most important part. No, I know there's a speech. Yeah, he knows oh. there is a speech. He doesn't know what the speech is. It can't be better than I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. It it rivals Guile's speech in Street Fighter. It does. Have you ever seen Street Fighter, Antonio? Come on, Ryan. Of course not. <laughs> what? what? I did not think it was going to go that way. I didn't either. I thought he was going to say, yeah. of, course, of course I have. Ryan, and then start and then start quoting the speech. Yeah. Who yeah. wants to go home? Yeah, <laughs> Dow and I used to get hyped up back in the day. Yeah. That speech. It's like it's okay. We get to go home. <laughs> well, I don't oh, want to go home. <laughs> All over my head. One day. That and bloodsport. We'll just do like half and half. But I always like to start off with a question. Okay. We know. This question is actually very, very obvious this week. Was Twister the best disaster movie of the 1990s? Let me let me name a few. Let me name a few, okay? And we're going with just natural disaster, not man-made. So, for instance, like Independence Day is not considered a disaster. That's like an action sure. blockbuster, okay? So we've got Outbreak 1995, Twister 96, Volcano 1997, Dante's Peak 1997. I'm going to throw Titanic in there. Armageddon, nineteen ninety eight, and Deep Impact, nineteen ninety eight. Is it the best? I, I take uh, Armageddon and Volcano over Twister. Yeah, I've recently seen Armageddon and Twister, and Armageddon is still holds up to this. 
I would say. It does. Okay, let me change the question. Let me go ahead and change it then. Because I agree. I don't think it's the best one of the 90s. But could you make a case that Twister is the most underrated disaster movie of the 1990s? No, I think it's properly rated. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, give you, I'll, gi- I'll give you this on Twister. I think that it may have kind of sparked a, a natural disaster, you know, I don't want to say renaissance, mm. but maybe it opened people's eyes like, oh, maybe I want to see a movie about every sort of natural disaster that exists. It's- it's it's like the third it's like the um independent party in the in the US. It sparks the ideas that the two parties take and then implement into their own thing. Exactly. I like that I, I was I was hoping you'd go that route. Could we also say that disaster movies in the nineties became like the new age monster movie? Because mm-hmm. you think think about it, the seventies and eighties were very much monster movies. The way Twister is shot sometimes doesn't feel like a disaster movie. It ha- it feels like there's tones of like a horror movie mixed in with an adventure movie, coupled up together. It almost feels like the Twister, a Twister, is the monster. It's a very cool way of reintroducing or basically repackaging monster movies was the use of, or was disaster movies, I think, in the 90s. It's the evolution of uh, science versus nature, basically. Can you overcome it? Can you? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, like I mean, that. your your monsters are not normally like freaks of nature and you're trying to use, you know, man-made. I, I'm really just thinking of like Terminator where humans are trying to overcome this evolution that they created. Or I guess in Terminator, nature itself, I guess, would be the, the protagonist and science would be the antagonist. And it kind of flips it mm. with, mm. with uh, disaster movies where twisters and volcanoes are the antagonists and now we're trying to use science as the protagonist to to save humankind yeah it's funny that you asked that because i actually while watching this trying to analyze it it almost felt like i was watching jurassic park every like 15 minutes they're being pinned down by another twister aka like another dinosaur encounter right except to take your point antonio that science jurassic park we created that Mm-hmm. We created it in order to relive the experience of trying to understand or see what we haven't seen in person come to life. Whereas in this, we are trying to get close to something that is prevalent in our world. It still exists in natural disasters, a, a, a tornado, but try to understand it. All the nerdy science and, and stuff set aside. This movie, it's a fun ride. Antonio, I'll ask you first. Antonio, what is it about this movie that you find enjoyable or that you like about this movie? Um, ooh, that's a difficult question to answer because that's going to – I want to tip my hand with my rating later on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Dow points to this later on and in that you're kind of hooked right away with – you're introduced to the characters pretty quickly. You know you know what the – I mean you know going in that with the title of Twister – this movie's going to revolve around twisters slash tornadoes. And right off the bat, you don't have to wait, you know, 30, 40 minutes to see your first, you know, twister. Boom. First 10 minutes, you're already dealing with it. Um, kind of get the background of it. So you're kind of emotionally attached, I guess, uh, once you figure out who's who and, you know, just trying to figure out, you're kind of drawn into rooting for them, even though you as a kid watching this movie, you don't exactly know what they're trying to do. You really don't understand yeah. it. Even as an adult, right. I kind of still don't understand it, but 
you know, you're you're rooting for the for the humans to get their get their uh, Dorothy project off the ground. What a great name, too. Yeah, Dorothy. So much better than dot cubes, really cubes, <laughs> cubes. I think one of the things that to me right off the bat just really, really drives the movie is the cast. Obviously, the casting in this movie is awesome. This is one of those movies that you watch 15, 20, 25 years later and everyone in the cast you can point out to and say, I've seen them somewhere else. It seems like either I've seen them somewhere else or even at that time they were somebody that you'd seen previously, but they weren't a lead. They just... They were the quintessential those guys of their generation. One of the ones that I really was still kind of struck by was was Helen Hunt. I know you're not the biggest Bill Paxton fan, Dal, but Helen Hunt is pretty good. And I want I want to get I want to get into that real quick because sometimes I want to sometimes I want to talk about did someone have a huge comeback? Did someone have a breakout? Helen Hunt was already a part of a great TV series. Uh, Mad About You with Paul Reiser. I loved Mad About You. And I didn't see it as it was kind of airing in the 90s. It was more of one of those you caught at the end of the 90s. It would play after the news if you got to stay up that late. It was on UPN. I always recognized her as the lady from Mad About You. It made me think, was she the first major sitcom star to transition to a movie star in the 90s? I I couldn't think of anyone prior to her. Antonio, this might be a little bit before your time, but like I'm thinking Friends. Yeah, Friends, Jennifer Aniston, Office Space was the only one that came to mind. But even then, she did a big role. Right, and that was 99, so that was a little bit later. Okay. So I I was trying to think up until that point, I I don't remember a female making the jump from TV sitcom to essentially movie stardom because I would say this is one of those movies where there truly are co leads. I don't think Helen Hunt does more than Bill Paxton. I don't think Bill Paxton does more than her. And I think at that time, and I'm trying to remember correctly, and forgive me if my, you know, timetable's a little off, but I mean, I think they were about what you would consider equals on the on the stardom level. Like I, they weren't A-listers at that time, but they were both well known and they were both well respected. She was on Mad About You from 92 to 98. She appeared on Friends as her character, yeah. Jamie Buchanan. I remember that episode. After that, she does Kiss of Death, which is one of those good, bad movies. Have you ever seen Kiss of Death? Never heard of her. Nicolas Cage, are you serious? What's it about? You know what? It was so bad, I don't remember. But it was good. <laughs> it was one of those. It's like Ryan, eight, you're not selling the product you, dude, you are, it's, buddy. It's like another Nicolas Cage movie. It's like 8mm. You're like, what am I watching? I know what 8mm is about. Okay. <laughs> I saw Kiss of Death probably... Like 25 Sounds years like ago. Sounds like a Bruce Lee movie. Similar, no. So she does Kiss of Death, she does Twister, then she does As Good As It Gets, opposite probably at that time the greatest actor, or the greatest actor at that time in Jack Nicholson. Sure. She wins an Oscar for her work there, then she does Pay It Forward with uh, the little oh. kid who can't see dead people, Yeah. Kevin Spacey. Then yeah. she does Castaway, which I don't even want to get into her character about Castaway. That's just... Mm. Then she does What Women Want with the cancel Mel Gibson. She had a hell of a run in the 90s. And I think she owes a lot of it to the success of Twister. Sure. Giving her movie roles. Right? Like, because of her role in Twister, she was able to grab those other movie roles. I guess the most interesting kind of casting choice, I think, was Bill Paxton. 
Because Bill Paxton was like, not, and I mean, no disrespect by the to the late Bill Paxton. <gasps> I, I find he, out on every podcast that somebody's dead. Dude, he died like, like seven years ago, bro. Oh my god! From what? A stroke. Oh my he god. he had heart issues and then uh, died in February of 2014, I think. 2017. February 2017. Sorry, not seven years. Wow, that's way off. I knew there was a seven in there. I guess 2017, so four years ago. <laughs> I also wow. didn't know he was uh, dead either, and I was like, "What?" And I was heartbroken, but then I wasn't because I confused him with Will Patton. That would have been Will real P- heartbroken <laughs> if Will Patton was was no longer with us. You're like you're like one of these. You're like woo, <laughs> <laughs> an R.I.P. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the guy's still with us. Yeah. God. That's so morbid. Oh, wait till the, we get to the FMKs later. Oh, oh yeah. Bill Paxton to me was the A-list character actor of his time. To me, he'll always be Hudson from Aliens. Y'all have both seen Aliens, right? Please tell me. Mm-hmm. You've never seen Aliens, Antonio. Jesus Christ. I'm gonna, we're gonna we're gonna do that movie just so you can watch it. It is it's one of those movies you don't need to see Alien to understand Aliens. You just watch Aliens and you're like, oh my God, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's in my top 10. I'm not sure if it's in my top five, but it's definitely in my top 10 of all time. Of all this time. This podcast is going to end up being just an episode of what movies I haven't seen. I'm, You know what? <laughs> Maybe it needs to happen, man. You need to be publicly shamed by people out there who have, you haven't seen. Oh my gosh. Bill Paxton was an interesting choice. We'll get to that. But then the secondary characters, pretty badass. Killed it. Who was y'all's favorite? Impossible. What do you mean impossible? Like, they all bring something so unique and needed. It's like what we were talking about um, uh, in the last one, where, like, all the secondary characters know their role. And they play that role. They did a really good job of, like, finding the flow amongst each other of like what you would do. I get like, I'm not a storm chaser. I'm just assuming storm chasers all do this shit. Like how they, they all have their maps back in those days. (laughs) That was so funny. I laughed so hard. I was like, Oh my God, this, this guy, this guy's just pulling atlases and, and map keys out of his butthole. He's like a five. Where are we going? (laughs) We don't fold the maps. We roll them. And I'm like, Oh my God, I don't even know how someone knows how to fold a map today. Oh, that was so funny. It was good to see Philip Seymour Hoffman kind of oh, being yeah. himself. He cooked. He cooked. Alan Ruck, who uh, we all know from Cam- as Cameron mm-hmm. from Ferris Bueller. Or Have you seen that? <laughs> not in its entirety. Oh, Jesus Christ. I've seen parts of it. It's not that good. Spoiler alert. It takes a turn. You, you might have needed to stay to- towards the end, but. The first two thirds is fantastic. Yeah, the first two thirds is great, and then the last third you're like, "Wow, okay, this is what we're doing, huh?" Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dow, why do you love this movie? So that's a very interesting question. I'll, I'll, like, so I was, I had a, an, an analogy for my feelings about this movie. So I remember being a kid and watching this movie and really enjoying it. So like, I compare it to like when you're a kid and you have that uncle that's like really fun, right? Like he goes out and he like. When you see him, he's like super energetic and he like throws you around and like he just wants to have fun. And then you get a little bit older and you're like, he drinks a lot of beer. 
<laughs> and then you get a little bit older and you're like, I think he's an alcoholic. <laughs> That's what I compare this movie to because watching it back, like it's definitely still fun, but like there are definitely times where I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> like, all right, maybe this movie isn't the, as great as I remember it, but it's definitely still fun, right? Like your fun uncle's still fun, but you're definitely like, mm, he drinks a little too much for my taste. I, I see your point and I a hundred percent, agree with you and right before we started recording amanda was going through our hulu and she's like all these 90s movies and it's like there's like 90s binge option on hulu that i just keep rolling through and i'm like oh it's good this good this good and a lot of them are still good but a lot of the ones from our like younger years i've been watching and i'm like it's not as good as i remember yeah it's not and I guess I'll just kind of jump into it. I love natural disaster movies and that's probably what or I shouldn't say natural I love disaster movies in general Twister falls into that category. That's why it holds like a little special place in my heart because I actually do think, Antonio, you hit it right on the head earlier. The disaster movie franchises, the disaster movie market owes this movie quite a bit because the success of this movie is what catapulted to have our, I mean, when you have Armageddon and Deep Impact in the same year, it's because two competing studios were like, shit, we need to get our disaster movie out there quick. You know, they didn't stack them. They were like, man, we got to strike while the iron is hot. And a lot of that was due to the success of Twister. That being said, natural disaster movies. How do we feel about them? We like them. We pro, we con. We're like, shit, been there, done that, seen this. You go into it knowing that you're going to see a bunch of ridiculousness. So especially over the last decade, you know, so what you, or last decade and a half comes to mind. 2012. Uh, San Andreas, uh, uh, Day After Tomorrow. Like, you know, you kind of, you go in, suspend your disbelief, end of the world's coming. How is humanity going to get on the other, to the other side of this? So I always like that sort of storytelling. It's an easy story to tell, very difficult to mess up. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not going in, I'm going in for a good time. I don't have high or low expectations on it. So disaster movie genre in general was it's something I'll, I'm always going to give a shot, uh, even if it's like one of the shitty like sci-fi movies, like Ten Point Five or Sharknado. <laughs> you know, I'll get I'll give it the old college try. I'll say this too with disaster movies and any movie, like even natural or monster or whatever. The main draw for any of those is the team. Like right. you have to have a team that you can cheer for and empathize with and feel for, and that's why like movies like Armageddon, like the scene where they're introducing all the guys when they get off of the base and they're like, you're going to need this guy, this guy. It's like an Ocean's Eleven type thing. Like, right. It's all about the team and like how fun and um, how much you can get behind ever, all the characters. Right. Right. I want to go back to something you said, Antonio. It It is it is really hard to screw up a disaster movie. Because you have to go into a disaster movie. You, as as a moviegoer, have to go in knowing that this is bullshit. Or it could happen, but it's kind of exaggerated. And, and I think that's ultimately what somewhat hurt the genre. Is in start 96, 97. Okay, Twister. Twisters happen all the time. Tornadoes, very, very real. 97, Volcano. A volcano just erupting in the middle of downtown LA. Okay, that's kind of far fetched. And that's. Hey, listen to someone growing up in Southern California watching that movie was very traumatizing. 
knowing that, <laughs> knowing that a volcano could erupt at any point. You're like, Dad, Dad, we got this shit. Like, <laughs> you watching this right now? <laughs> we are fucked. <laughs> we we had to get to the 405 as quickly as possible, whatever highway it was. Okay, I'll give you volcano. Let's just say that that's a possibility. I just think that further on down the line, I think it became a little bit more and more kind of ridiculous. Mm. And that's why the genre kind of just faded. But they're fun. I love I mean, a that good... that makes sense, right? Especially in Hollywood. Like, the idea of doing the same movie is never appealing. It's got to be the same movie plus one. Right. So as you keep making more and more, like, when Piranha came out, and then, like, the Sharknado, and then, like, the Meg, like, it just has to be bigger and better. Somehow, Fast and the Furious has made it work. Other than that, it's very rare to like add that formula of like the same movie and then let's just add, let's sprinkle in some extra stuff. That's a good take. Yeah, and make it like work and real. That's a good take. I like that. So, growing up in Southern California, I guess you feared volcanoes. Any other natural disasters you, you feared, Antonio? Uh, so, I currently fear night tornadoes uh, because as this movie teaches me, if you know where it's going, just go parallel to it and you're fine. I can't see which direction a tornado is going in at night. Mm. So night tornado is a fear of mine and tsunamis. I cannot tell. I, I've told uh, Nick and Brandon this. I have about two tsunami nightmares a month. What? Like, yeah. Dead serious. Always there's a tsunami coming and I can't get to a high enough ground or floor oh, on a building. Mother. And it's just terrifying. And I wake up in a panic. I should probably go see someone about this because there's it probably means something. Yeah, I was about to say, like, there's got to be some like dream interpretist that can like tell you what that is. Yeah, but probably since I was probably since I was 17, I've had a tsunami. Whoa. A tsunami nightmare or two once a month Whoa. since 2007. So those are my two. For me, like hurricanes, tornadoes, like obviously they're very scary. But those things are usually predictable. For me, it's like the idea of being on a boat and all of a sudden you just hit like a huge wave. For me, that's like almost unpredictable. And you're just like, oh, shit, like we have nowhere to go. Like in a tornado, you're like, OK, head to your hallway, head to your bathtub. But like on a, on a ship, like I'm like, you got nowhere to go, dude. You are just literally at the mercy of Mother Nature at that point. I used to not be afraid of things like that. Like so in the movie, The Perfect Storm, when they go up against that that giant wave, the iconic one before they spoiler alert flip <laughs> It's like 14, 15 year olds, 15 years old. When that movie came out, I was like, I just jump out and swim. I'll be <laughs> fine. <laughs> it's not like, I don't get it. Like you'll, I can swim. I'll be okay. Gattaca. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Undercurrent. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> Fast forward twenty years later, okay. Yeah. I'm I'm swimming with our 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 daughter, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna die <laughs> in a pool. Are there fire ants in my lungs? <laughs> the hell is, and I, you know, relatively decent shape, and I was in great shape, but decent shape, and I was like, <gasps> and the first thing I thought of was, I don't think I jump out of that boat now. Right. Your phrase, your phrase pisses me off so bad. Decent shape. I want to come over and kick you in the face. I hate you. <laughs> Whatever. One thing that I, I did, we put this in the outline, and it, it it did make sense. And I'm 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 genuinely curious. I didn't look it up. What is the difference between a twister and a tornado? There is no difference. 
Okay, I was about to say, did you did you look that up, Antonio? Because I was really convinced by what you wrote in the outline. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> like I was a hundred percent. You went to meteorology dot com. I, I couldn't find anything definitive that I understood. Okay, that's fair too. Yeah, yeah. The, they, they, the language were, is probably very technical. Yeah, they were using very big words that I cannot pronounce. <laughs> as someone that you know, English is my second language. Still learning. Still mm. learning. So, mm. to me, a twister is <laughs> to me a twister is skinny, and a tornado is curvy because it's twenty twenty one. There you go. I like that. Voluptuous, healthy, healthy, <laughs> healthy, big and beautiful. I don't. I don't know how to segue into that. Other one. <laughs> Not much segue that you got there, brother. So I did want to add this too, though, when we were talking about fans of the movie. One thing that I did appreciate more, obviously, than I did as a child was the score. Listening now and actually like listening to the score, I thought it was fantastic. It was like orchestral. And then as soon as they hit like a tornado, it just added this like gnarly, like good electronic guitar riff to just tell you like something is off and like about to really mess some stuff up. Right. It really aided in the storytelling, mm-hmm. because I think one thing we can both agree on or all of us can agree on the dialogue isn't next level. Yeah. But yeah. what this movie basically is, it's all about the sound, visual effects and then the music. And I say I'm going to put score into sound, mm-hmm. put that in there. The music is its own character in this movie. The music is awesome. Yeah. It felt like it felt like like. Hunt for Red October, Crimson Tide, like it felt like that, like dramatic. It set the scene for what was about to happen. It felt like a Hans Zimmer type, type vibe to it. A couple of things about the movie: Twister was nominated for two Academy Awards, Best Visual Effects and Best Sound. Makes sense. Visual effects. I will say this: if you look, some of the visual effects are dated. But at the time, yeah. in 1996, that looked real, especially the movie theater scene, the drive-in scene, the drive-in theater scene oh, with yeah. the tornado coming. Oh, that was so good. To me, that still looks good. The visual effects held up. Um, I think they've held up better than the per- than the film that eventually won the Oscar for Best Visual Effects. That was Independence Day. Independence Day, I understand why it won. It was a great achievement. But some of those explosions... The, the White House blowing up, it, it looks super fake these days. Like, you you can obviously tell it's it's fake. Do we know if the drive-in was CGI or if that was practical effects? It was filmed at an actual drive-in theater. Okay, good. Because you it, it feels very, like, real and practical, right? Like, it yep. doesn't... Obviously, at the end scene with, like, the cows and all that stuff, it was obviously, like, very CGI. And that was kind of dated. But that drive-in, like, you felt... You felt every bit of that. Best sound went to the English patient. I saw the English patient once. <laughs> I don't remember what made that. Have you ever seen that Seinfeld episode? No. Which so one? So Elaine goes to watch the English patient and she hates it. And everyone that year loved. Did that win best picture that it year? It did win best picture that year. Yeah. So everybody's like, what? Like she was almost ostracized for her opinion that like the English patient was just meh. But sound like that's all this movie is. It's like, yeah. There's a story about the director of this movie that apparently, I don't know if this is true, this is kind of just something I read online in one of the blogs or something like that, but when the movie went out to different uh, movie theaters, I think he put like, or at its premiere, he pulled a a Live Aid concert kind of thing for Queen and basically told the people, 
pump up the sound just a little bit more than you normally would to really give it that effect. And it worked because I think that's one of the things that sells a movie is, and, and to be fair, I think one of the reasons why in rewatching this movie, I didn't get the full effect was I didn't, I watched this kind of later at night. I didn't want to keep everyone up. I didn't want to be loud. Mm. So I didn't have it as loud as I probably should have. And that's probably, that's a, that's a me mistake. But that, that brings me back to this. What do you remember the, about the first time you saw this movie? But I, I definitely remember, like, I remember being a kid and being scared. Right. Like, like scared. Like, you're like, like, I never want a tornado to hit this area ever. And we live like on the edge of the tornado belt. Right. And that was like extremely fearful. But I think it's because you felt inside the tornado and like, you could feel the like wind, like, man, when the, the scene with the aunt where the mm-hmm. wind, where the wind chimes start to turn and you're just like, Oh dang, like it's coming. Like that was very eerie. Even now. It's very Spielberg-esque. Spielberg is the executive producer of this movie, was the director of Jaws, and it almost felt like the wind chimes were kind of the da da Yeah. da Like yeah. you knew it was coming, and then all of a sudden it's just too late. Sure. And that's, you know, the thing of a of a twister or a tornado. Antonio, who do you see yourself as in this movie? Do you identify with any of the characters? Dusty. Yes. I agree. Put it this way. If this movie wasn't in 1996 and it was 2021, he'd be wearing a Cobra Kai bandana just like you. <laughs> it's the Venom Zone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dad, what about you? I don't know. I see myself as like uh, as Cameron. I'm not. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> like, I'm just the map guy. Like, I like my, my favorite part is like when Bill Paxton Hell Hunt, they're just like, all right, everybody stay back there. Like we're going to go into this and I'm just the map guy in the back, just making sure that my maps aren't folded. Like <laughs> That's what I would be doing. I don't know who I would be. I don't either. I don't fit any of the, I don't. Ryan, I know. Maybe Helen be. Hunt. Yeah. Who, that's who what I was going to say. Yeah. You got a You'd chip on Joe. your shoulder. Yeah. You got really? a little chip on your shoulder. You just plow through trying to pay for advertising, even though uh, that's a dumb idea. I was oh, just going to say that you're the, you're the best looking one, so. Oh, that's fair too, <laughs> my man. You're the eye candy, definitely. If this was not a podcast and we stream this on YouTube, Ryan is definitely Helen Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right, shall we get to the movie? Sure. Antonio, you want to you want to do the yeah, honors? You have to. Sure. So a little bit of a plot summary in case you've been living under a rock and have never seen this movie. Uh, so Twister, we start off in some small town in the heart of Tornado Alley when we're introduced to a young Joe Hardy witnessing the murder of her father by a Twister. We flash forward several several years, and Joe is now a doctor. But not a medical doctor, but the kind of doctor salutation that you get after years of education that caused people like Tucker Carlson outrage when you're forced to call someone a doctor and you don't practice medicine. <laughs> anyway, back to the movie. We're introduced to Dr. Joe's soon-to-be ex-husband, Bill, and his new bride-to-be, a Tucker Carlson-approved doctor, Dr. <laughs> Melissa. I don't know if he approves of that or not, because she does practice some sort of medicine. But... Mental health. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, so I guess uh-huh. it's approved. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Bill shows up trying to get these divorce papers finalized so that he can move on with his life. But Joe, you know, she's still reading the terms and conditions portion prior to signing that final spot. Can't fault the girl for that. Before she can finish, though, a twister pops up nearby, and guess what? Mama's got to go to work. 
Bill and Melissa follow a team of storm chasers when they run into a paramilitary slash Hydra-like group of storm chasers led by Dr. Jonas, whom we find out are not in it for the science like Joe and her team are. From here, we have some rom-com inspired comedy for a good portion of the movie until shit gets real with more twisters. Turns out twisters don't give a fuck about your marital problems and are just here to fuck shit up and cause unnecessary trauma. The latter of which forces Melissa to leave Bill. Bill and Joe then focus on fixing their prize science experiment, Dorothy, to send their 1996 version of Doecoin to the atmosphere instead of the moon. Some advanced tech in analytics versus old school meteorology takes place for the last third of the movie. We see huge twisters. Twisters win their battle against man, and the 1996 Doecoins take off. In the end, Bill and Joe get back together, and it concludes a perfect substitute teacher movie for science classes for generations to come. Amen. Yeah. I don't know how many times I saw this movie in school and a substitute teacher is coming in, especially in science. Yeah. We've got Twister or we've got Casper. Casper? I think we probably did choose Casper a few times. Thank you for that summary. Yeah, that was great. That was good. I laughed hard when I read it. The paramilitary Hydra-like group that, of storm that chasers. Really got me, that shit you think was about good. It, like, that's right, dude. That's yeah. <laughs> and I'll say this too about that analysis is it's like as an adult now, you're like, Jonas did the responsible thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, hey, you know what we don't need to do is go cut up aluminum cans to tie. Why don't we get some funding and try to really solve some problems? <laughs> unrealized unrealized yeah, idea exactly like that's 100 percent true like hey that guy that's sitting in his garage with great ideas why don't we do something with that and actually help, try to help some people here <laughs> the black dodge caravans i'm like oh man they do they that's, look those are reliable vehicles <laughs> not some fucking half camper station exactly. wagon like, dude every time Old they school pulled bus? up onto a highway i thought the thing was gonna flip i did too <laughs> you're like this is so irresponsible they're like doing maintenance as exactly. <laughs> we're waiting like, in someone's yard for Bill Paxton's character to come meet them somewhere doing oil changes. And I felt like Helen Hunt grew up in the movie when she's like, oh, they can get there. No shit. They can get there because they have funding from the National Weather Service. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what the fuck God. are we doing here? Exactly. Like, go fix tornadoes. <laughs> Uh, so after that excellent summary, how about we, how about we choose a couple of our important slash favorite scenes kind of go in the, in the order. We'll go from like beginning, middle end to kind of some continuity in that deal. What you guys got? I don't have any important scenes. I just had funny scenes that I thought were really humorous. (laughs) See, and I think that goes back to this movie, just being one of those movies where you're just, just, let's just sit back. Let's just enjoy Let's not really overanalyze, take too much time. Let's just have fun with it. Although I do think in rewatching this, that opening scene is super important to the movie. It still works. That to me was the first time I ever felt like this might actually be somewhat like a horror movie because it was like, we got to get out of the house. We got to go. Let's go. The dog. Again, uh, to compare it to Jurassic Park, it's it's very much like the beginning of Jurassic Park where the velociraptor rushes the cage, right? Right. Where Spielberg sets up that scene. And then um, the hunter guy's like, shoot her. Yeah. Shoot her. And they're just like holding it shut, right? Trying to like- Shoot her. Yeah. And that's what it felt like when the dad is like, he's like, it's gonna go. Like, you know what I mean? It felt like that. It felt like that scene. 
in Jurassic Park with the Velociraptor. The little rickety kind of yeah, like, like there's one little there's like four screws between them and just being blown to like like being sucked out into the tornado. I wasn't paying too much attention to the dad flying away because I didn't want, I did remember, I was like, okay, this is the first time you see the tornado up close and personal. This is the F5 that hasn't been around or hasn't shown itself Mm -hmm. or has occurred in the last 20, 25 years or whatever it is for Joe. So I did going into this rewatch, wanting to see what it looked like. And I thought it actually still looked pretty realistic. It sets the tone for the movie. And one of those things that I do like is it sets the overall tone for the movie. Let me rephrase. But I do like how it goes from super intense and then it just gets super fun. And then we're introduced to our characters. We're introduced to the team and you just kind of build from there. And then it goes back into monster appears. And then it goes back into let's let's have some fun. Then monster appears over and over and over again. Yeah, that's like the one scene I thought that was like from a from a critical standpoint. This and one other one I thought were really, really good and important. What about you, Antonio? Is there anything important or like super just like your favorite scene in that in in the movie? You kind of already touched on it. The the movie theater scene. uh, I probably I'll I'll steal this from Brian. The uh, the scene at uh, at the aunt's house where they're cooking breakfast or brunch whatever meal they're off they're doing i don't know that, that kind of just hit a little bit close to home because that's kind of how my mom would treat my friends if they came over unannounced yeah. it's like all right time to whip up some food like and i think that's a very like it's the team thing it's like you understand the history of this team and their dynamic mm-hmm. where it's just like how i feel like a lot of me and my friends are where everything's an inside joke and the person sitting on the outside just doesn't understand like like, why is it funny that he threw a bottle of Jack Daniels into the tornado? That seems very dangerous. But to them, that's like, that's hilarious. And just that he's he's the extreme, like, you know what I mean? And it and sets that, up their, their tight-knit group. And that scene also kind of sets up the the urgency after the movie theater scene where they're like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. this hit the next yes. town over. That's yes. where, I forget her name, but that's where yeah, Aunt yeah. So-and-so Wakita, you know, is. Wakita. Yeah. I remember yeah. Wakita. I remember her name. And, yeah, and, we um, need to get over there like as quickly as possible. And you, you, you get that urgency. You built that bond real quick with with her. You know, like shit. Are they going to get her out of that house? Are they going to get the yeah. dog out of that house? Yeah, and you feel it on Philip Seymour Hoffman when he's just like, "I hate to bring this up, but we have to go." And I know you want us to go, but it hurts me to say that like we have to go save. Like we have to go there now. Right. I always misunderstood that scene up until this last rewatch. I was always under the impression that he wasn't paying attention to the radio. And that's why they were kind of in harm's way there. Or, hey, I should have been paying attention to the radio. And I would have been able to tell you that the tornadoes were headed towards Aunt May's house. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I rewatched this. I was like, oh, man, this is where Philip Seymour Hoffman has to like fess up and i rewatched it i was like wait a minute he's not saying that he's saying hey i know it's not that i i i know we just got our shit kicked in but we need to go mm-hmm. and it made me reevaluate the dusty character all over again i was much more appreciative of, of the character in itself because i always thought he was kind of the one that fucked up Does that, if that makes sense he's like lenny from that thing you do like right. he actually knows what he's doing right he does almost more than anybody and the way he plays it off, like he he knows he knows that Joe is still in love 
with Bill and Bill still in love with Joe. Let me take Dr. Melissa here. Let you yes, you stay yes, with me. Yes. You like hang here, you with ride me. you ride in the in the in the truck with me. <laughs> right. Let let them go on ahead. You you ride it's safer with me kind of thing. <laughs> and the more you think about it you're like, "Wow, you're right. He is the Lenny character. He yeah. he knows what's going on." Yeah. But you're led to believe because he's making all the jokes like He's making he's doing the horse stance on the road, pointing at Jonas, going, loser! <laughs> yeah. That way. <laughs> cracking up the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> the suck zone. But I, I do say that even growing up, I do realize that that scene where they're all eating at, at Joe's aunt's house was important because it not only shows that she means something to Joe deeply, I guess, since her father's death and maybe her mom has passed or, or, or whatnot. And that's the only family she has left. And that's why we have to go back kind of deal. But it also shows you what a close tight knit, essentially family they all are together because the, the joke of him standing naked and then throwing a bottle into the tornado is really not funny yeah. unless it's an inside joke yep. that, you know, this dumb motherfucker would go out there butt naked and say have a drink and just yeah. throw that, that's only something that family would would yeah. laugh you and could know see them sitting around a fire pit and then right. finishing a bottle and be like who am i and they take an empty <laughs> bottle and just chuck it uh, uh, the other thing with that and i think that's important is it sets up the reason why they're doing what they're doing because right. wakita did not have any prior warning that's mm-hmm. why the devastation was so great and everybody was still there. So it sets up like you humanize, you you um, put a face to the tragedy, right? Like you put a face to like this woman suffered because she doesn't. And she reiterates that even more when Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, we have to go. She's like, no, 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 you have to go. This has to stop. Like, right. It, it, it humanizes the entire thing. Like We, we have to go in order Otherwise, yeah. this is going to happen again. again. Somebody and else again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Yeah. And you know what? The funny thing in the movie, they go, you know, I'm glad that Dr. Melissa is there because she's the que- she is the audience, yes. essentially. She's asking all the questions that I would ask. Well, like, well, what does it do? How do you get it there? What's the point? Has anyone seen an F5? And they're all quiet and they're like, they all know. Right. Yeah. They all know. So, but the audience doesn't, or they can put it together, but- well, aren't there already warning systems? Yeah, the, the warning system now is three minutes. This will get us to 15. And you're like, shit, 25 years ago to go from three minutes to five to 15 minutes? That's pretty good. Like She's the Greek chorus of the movie. Right. Yeah. She is. All right, let's have let's have some fun. The Toby Brewster Jordana Maguire Award. I don't even want to say, but Dow, what's your nomination? I cannot even believe y'all picked anybody other than Bill Paxton. Like it is, he is, maybe it's, uh, I don't know. I can't even say it's part of his character. Like, like Christ Dow, is that what you think? I wonder some of the lines I had in here. He's like, see the sky today? She's, uh, that, uh, really got me on that one. <laughs> she's like, cause it wasn't fluid. She's like, you see the sky today? Yeah. She's, uh, she's really talking today. Like, it's like that's so bad. <laughs> like he's supposed to be some like weather messiah. But really, he's just some, like, dude with, like, aluminum foil on his head, like, just being like, we're going east. <laughs> That's what it Well, no like. shit, it's turning east. Why don't we go east? Yeah. Like, yeah, there, there's certain things where it's like, okay, I, I got you, weather guru. But he is a weatherman. Why are you laughing? Why I'm not. Laughing? And see, that's what I didn't understand. No, 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 no. That's, that's, what, that's what Pilbaxon says to Helen Hunt. 
Right. Like, she's like, why are you laughing? <laughs> I think being a weatherman is a pretty fucking cool job. <laughs> Not for those guys. They don't believe in the National Weather Service. <laughs> that, that's a money job. It's like all the scientists saying, I don't want to be Fauci. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be on the ground. Not just telling people what to do. Uh, I tell you who you got. The cow. We got cows. Cow was way too chill. Right? <laughs> he was. He was just like, <laughs> <laughs> Another cow. I think yeah. that was the same one. <laughs> yep. As much as I appreciate the character of Dr. Melissa, I, I think Jamie Gertz, I, there was something about her that I just, I'm not, I'm just, I just don't like. And I think what it is is because sometimes I, I try to think to myself, who would be good in this particular role? And I, I always thought the Twister would have been a great Tom Hanks movie. And funny enough, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks was actually slotted to play that. And then it didn't work schedule wise. Oh, really? Yeah. And then Ooh. it was, I think Tom went to whomever the producer and was like, hey, well, what about Bill? Because Tom Hanks, Bill Paxton and Kevin Bacon had just finished Apollo 13 and was like, well, what about Bill? Bill could probably do this. Oh, he was and good I, in that. What Bill Paxton? Yeah, they were all good. Yeah, and so that's what I'm saying is I I don't I don't think Bill's a Bill Paxton to me is not a bad actor and in in just let it be known rest in peace once again Bill Paxton is was probably one of the most well liked and well respected people in the industry was like completely humble would take young people under his wing and say hey and we forget like what happened to Bill Paxton and I remember he he was on Big Love. For oh yeah, fucking Which ever huge show, huge and I show. W- huge critically Never acclaimed, and neither did I. Yeah. It just was not something that I wanted to necessarily watch. So I thought Holly Hunter would have been way better. You know who Holly Hunter is? Copycat, the piano, won an Oscar for that. Anyhow, I just think that she would have stood up much more to not only the acting level of Helen Hunt and. They look very similar. They're kind of, you know, I just think that it would have been a better character had someone like a Holly Hunter played her. She was the mom on 13, Senator and Batman versus Superman. I would also say that, like, you never, ever felt like Jamie Gertz was ever going to get Bill Pat. And that's the other thing, too, is that I never bought her character because of yeah. that. The scene in the diner where she's like, what are you doing? You still love him, but you're like, uh, Helen Hunt's going to get him. So you just play your cards where they may, but like you have no shot in this. You kind of see Helen Hunt kind of just being like, yeah, I got this in the bag. Yeah. Like I'll pay for your check. (laughs) (laughs) These are together. (laughs) Yeah. Checkmate. Real quick. Uh, just while we were doing recasting talk, uh, for Bill Paxton, what would you guys think about Bill Murray in that role? Oh, I think it's a different movie, but I'm not against it. Because he did Lost in Translation, right? So you know he can do that, like, more serious role. But yeah, because, like, the whole scene with the, like, standing outside and feeling the weather, I think would have been better. He would have done his Bill Murray kind of close my eyes, touch the ground. I don't know. It would have been kind of far-fetched yet believable. Like, it would have, I would have believed the weather guru Yes. Much more coming from that than yes. looking up at the sky and throwing the dirt in the air or letting the dirt fall. I, I get that. I get what Maybe you're saying. Maybe it's because Bill Paxton's yeah. too much of an every 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 man. 
for you to believe that maybe maybe Where bill murray has almost like an aura about him that you could believe he could he could do that i like it the more that I th- at first i was like oh, i don't know but the more i think about it i i i'm digging it but but does would he have chemistry with helen hunt that's the thing yeah but you know what She's that good because I, if you had told me, hey, Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt together, what do yeah, you think? You would have been like, no. Nope. Yeah. Kevin Spacey okay. and Helen Hunt together, what do you think? Nope. Mel Gibson, I would believe that because that's Mel, but we can't <laughs> talk about him anymore. Um, I mean, and for, and for good reason. I'm sorry. Um, end up being like a 10 minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You've been suspended. <laughs> the Alonzo Harris Award for the best acted scene. It's going to be the steak and egg scene, the the brunch scene, but I do want to have an honorable mention for the most overacted scene, but it's a scene that I buy and it's really cheesy and rewatch, but in the moment I'm into it is when she's like, we got to save the sensors. We got to pick up the sensors. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, you've never seen it. Miss this house, miss that house. They come after you. And he's like, Christ, Joe, is that what you think it did? And I'm like, the dialogue is really good. The execution, maybe not so much, but you feel Helen Hunt's anguish that she's still not over the death of her father, that there's a way that it could have been prevented and the technology moved along. And if she could, if we could pull this off, this could save the next family and so on. So that's why I think that scene really gives it. But I think the best scene overall, the best acted scene is, is the, the steak and eggs to go on to that. So I added this scene too, is when Jamie Gertz is listening to that over the intercom. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's, she's like, okay, I'm bested. And my, the, my favorite part of that part is if you watch Dusty, he's like, yeah, yeah I knew this was going to go like this. And I'm sorry you're listening to it like this. Like, I'm so sorry. But like, that's why you're here with me and not with them. Like, Which I think it adds to your point even more, Dow, that he knew what he was doing. Yeah. He was the smartest one in the room because I think someone who was not that smart would have actually realized what she's saying and been like, oh, let me turn that off. Yeah, let me turn. But he, she's like, no, she needs to listen to this. Right. Yeah. Oh, damn, Dow. Look, Antonio's head is just blown right now. I saw that look in his eye. He was like, and if that's not what, if that wasn't the case or the motivation behind it, it should have been. <laughs> well, that's why Philip is who he is, right? He is the master. The AC Law of the Fourth Award. Our boy, our man. What definition are we using this week? So Dow and I have two different competing definitions. And, sure. and Dow, you go ahead and go first and explain your definition and explain who you got. So for me, it's the guy that you just don't like. He come, he's a flash, and just makes everything so much better. Okay. So that's why I picked Philip Seymour Hoffman. Obviously, he goes on to bigger and better things, which our boy did not necessarily do. <laughs> but in this movie, like you almost can't imagine the movie without Dusty. He just adds so much to the movie. I think Philip Seymour Hoffman might be one of the reasons why, once he hit it really big in the mid two thousands and really kind of peaked you would go back and see a movie like a Twister or a Patch Adams to be like, let me rewatch him, him in some of these roles. Yeah. Antonio, you got anybody? Uh, I will go with the definition of the, it wasn't back to back sweet 16 runs, right? But it oh, was yes, like, it was, was it? Yeah. It okay. Was. And you know, what's even crazier. Like we never, we've, I've never told this story. We've never told the story on air. So me and Ryan and our roommate Abik had tickets to the Sweet 16 the year that we played. Uh, it was Greg Odin, Greg Odin's Ohio State, and we were playing Memphis in the Sweet 16. 
and I had a test my senior year and we were going to take it at the end of class. And I'm like, listen, guys, I have tickets to the Sweet 16. Let's take this now because I have to leave right now. And I convinced our entire class to take it early. And we go to this thing and we lose on a last second layup. And there's this little Aggie boy in the corner crying. And I'm like, get used to it, like, in my head. <laughs> like, this is Aggie sports, buddy. Toughen up. <laughs> so I'm going to use the definition of back-to-back Sweet 16 appearances, parlaying that into a lottery uh, career. Yeah. So uh, Helen Hunt, this is her, her back-to-back Sweet 16. Ooh. I like Going it. for that lottery. I pick. like it, too. I like it I like too. It. Yeah, that's, that's good. really nice. That's really good, Antonio. I didn't think that's about really good, that. That's really good, actually. One. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, next one, the Mark Wahlberg Award for the best acting performance. Who you guys got? Anybody? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, I, I think you kind of have to go with it. Yeah. So I picked. I picked the whole crew, other than Paxton and Hunt. Not that Hunt, Helen Hunt, didn't have a great performance, but like again, it's the crew thing. Like you, you loved, you love that crew. Like you loved every single piece of it, and. And um, them as a whole, as a unit, was great. And one of the things why you rooted for the crew is this is one of those movies where no one in the crew wanted to defect. No one wanted to say, I, I don't want to do this or this. They were all in. No one was like, oh, this might be too dangerous. This might be too risky. Or, or there's other opportunities for me elsewhere. Like these two guys are my guys and I will ride or die till the very end. It was basically Fast and the Furious before Fast and the Furious. <laughs> and Terry's like, shut the <laughs> fuck up. It's not. Don't you dare. Don't you dare besmirch the name that is Fast and the Furious. Uh, what, are you, what are you guys, some of y'all's favorite quotes for this movie? Uh, I think we've already touched on on the ones I've said. Ryan, as, as a huge movie buff in, in, in your earlier days before Amanda, have you ever used a phrase, I think we're going in during coitus? No, I've never used it. I almost don't believe him. <laughs> I almost don't believe him. I have used the check out the updraft, definitely a sidewinder. That's that's a sidewinder. <laughs> like when he said that, I was like, what is going on right now? Is this real? Is there a sidewinder? Like Oh Jesus man, that was so Christ. funny. One one of my favorite things that I thought was hilarious was when Jonas was giving his interview, and Bill Paxton gets really mad, and you think he's going to go over there and punch him in the face, but what he does is he just knocks over his hat. <laughs> like he knocks his. I'm like, is this a middle school fight right now? Like, boy, what you going to do? <laughs> I'm gonna, I knocked your hat off. <laughs> he's like, this guy's an animal. Get him off of me. <laughs> I wonder if that's where is one of the whatever Paul brother that took Mayweather's hat. I wonder if this is where he got it from. Yeah, he's like, he's like, dude, I'm gonna pull a Bill Paxton power move right now. <laughs> R.I.P. I love the way Carrie Elwes said. We haven't talked about him at all, but oh, and that's a shame. Can we talk about Carrie Ewells with a uh, with a Southern accent? It was not bad. It wasn't. It was funny. Like it was like, whoa, what's going on right now? Is he from like South Carolina? Like, what's 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 he doing right now? And I think one of the reasons why that is is because he was probably where most people probably know him from was coming off of Robin Hood Men in Tights. So you have like this English mm. accent, and then you're going into this Southern unrealized, unrealized <laughs> idea, and you're like, 
I do, I do declare. I know exactly. It's like it's like foghorn leghorn. <laughs> I say, I say. But he's like the '90s dick. I mean, he yeah, and he played it really well. Like you, you, you un like again as an adult, I almost empathize with him. I'm like, he's literally just trying to fix tornadoes better than they're doing, and these people are just like, no, we have to do it from the dirt. Like, <laughs> what movie is it that he's in where I'm just like, man, you're such a Saw? <laughs> no, like where he's oh the Jungle Book. That's why. Oh, he's in the Jungle Book. He's the bad guy in the Jungle Book. So you're Wait, like the new one? No, 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 the old one, the '94 one, the cartoon. No, the the Jason Scott Lee oh. one. Oh, oh man, I don't even remember. Sam Neill. That was like the first live action Jungle Book. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like remember, the '90s one. He was the bad yeah. guy. That's why. Oh, in Hot Shots, he was also the mm, he was the that's the right. Iceman version. Ice yes, yeah. that's right. So that's, that's maybe why I didn't like him too much. But then you see him in oh. Glory, and you're like, he was the one that was like always telling Matthew Broderick, like, "Hey, sol- they're soldiers just like us. Like, there should yeah. be no different kind of thing." Yeah, we didn't talk too much about him, but he was perfect for the role that he was in. So I don't know, maybe he should have gotten an award for something. The, we'll the give other him thing that I that I found really hilarious was his driver loved him to Bill Paxton. Yeah. Like the driver was like, was like, hey, hey, Bill, <laughs> like maybe, maybe we, we should, should listen. listen. Yeah, like, <laughs> he would never. Like, he's like George. I know you can hear me. Like, <laughs> like I know, I know, I know. We've had intimate times together. Like, don't do this. Like, <laughs> I still think Christ Joe. Is that what you think it did? I still that one's still. That one will always be burned in my head. I don't want your life. <laughs> yeah, it's right up there with that one, with the yeah. same accent yeah. and everything. Did did this movie need a sequel? Should we have had a sequel? Oh God! No. How do you do a sequel? That's yeah. the problem with with disaster movies. It's like yeah, it's like it's like um in uh Tropic Thunder where they do Ben Stiller's movie and it and it happened four times again, <laughs> and this time it happened, but it was a little bit different, and it's like the cold <laughs> version, like yeah. Scorcher, but on ice. <laughs> ice. Yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have the same. Uh, urgency i guess yeah i think they just get too redundant and gets too stupid after a while then it turns into like the jaws franchise we're like okay i can buy jaws too but three and four really okay sea world and then now where the fuck are we michael caine's in this movie is this early christopher nolan movie michael caine ratings let's wrap this bad boy up sure antonio this is an amanda two. Oh boy wouldn't rewatch would recommend. Doesn't age as poorly as I thought it did. The graphics are fine. The water twisters, cyclones, whatever they're called. Twins. Those, yeah, <laughs> twins. We got twins. <laughs> those are th- th- those are pretty shitty, but. Or we got Swiss sisters. I don't remember what he says. It's <laughs> like, oh my god, we're just naming shit now. But yeah, I mean, it, it is. It is a substitute teachers movie. Like, I, I just I wrote that in because I feel like that's the perfect way to describe this movie. Yep. You got a recommendation? Uh, Volcano. We talked about that. And then uh, Sharknado because why not? Because it's just fun. Yep. Volcano is also one of those. It, it It's fun. And I'm a big Tommy Lee Jones fan. He's very, I, he reminds me of my dad. I don't know why because he's like the dad. Well, obviously it's because he's a dad, but Volcano was really good. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I watched it at some point last year. And I saw that Don Cheadle was in it, and I did not remember that. Emmett, 
he's still cool. He's like so cool. He's like, yeah. I got this mic. I want to be <laughs> like Mike. I saw it actually like maybe two, three weeks ago, oddly enough. But Dow, what you got? What's your rating and recommendation? Yeah, I mean, I had this as a two as well. It's funny that I wouldn't say I wouldn't rewatch it because I did literally rewatch it a month ago. But after rewatching it, I don't know that I would rewatch it again. And I had to for the like I turned it on and Amy was like, you're watching this again. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I kind of have to. It's homework. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ryan's making me. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> he wants me to sweep the driveway. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a fine movie. But yeah, like if anybody's like, hey, can what disaster movie would you recommend? I wouldn't be like, yeah, go watch Twister. <laughs> what would you recommend? Armageddon. I mean, that's a good movie. It is. It's yeah. Armageddon's great. That's the movie that's in a million different genres. It's a blockbuster. It's a disaster movie. It's a buddy movie. So all it's the a... guys have actually asked me when we're going to do Armageddon. Really? Yeah. Like Kurt, Heath, like they're just like, when are you going to do Armageddon, dude? And I'm like, it's not on the slate for this. Sorry, guys. Tune in. Yeah. Who knows? It might it might pop up. Oh, they did. <laughs> Heath, yeah, I actually went to dinner with uh, Kurt and Heath for Britney's birthday. And they're like, what's the next movie? Oh, wow. Yeah. And they're like, awesome. I'm on Twister. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I gotta yeah. send Brittany a message saying "Happy belated birthday." It was my bad. He sent me a text as soon as he heard the Jason reference in the other one. He's like, "That's hilarious." <laughs> I'm gonna go with this movie being. Uh, man, I don't know. Maybe a two and a half is the right move. I'm, you know, I'm gonna round <laughs> it up. I'm gonna round it up and say it's a three. And, and the reason I'm gonna say it's a three, all of the really good disaster movies came after this movie. I don't think that those movies are made without the success of Twister. So therefore, would I rewatch it? I have. Would I? If someone was like, if we were in this really deep discussion about movies of the 90s and someone was like, hey, Ryan, why do you think disaster movies are big? I'd be like, oh, have you seen Twister? That's the reason why, like, one-off chance that that conversation ever happens. But I would recommend Twister and because of how important the special effects were at that time. And if someone is a technical nerd that wants to understand sound, watch a movie like Twister and really listen to how they incorporate not only the score, the soundtrack, and the sound effects into the movie in order to tell a story. So for those reasons, I would give it a three. I remember going to Universal Studios long ago, and they had a Twister exhibit. They did, yes. And it felt very much like the movie. Like, you felt that stuff, and it was like, it was really good. Yeah, I want to do a, a quick little uh, FMK. You go with it, Antonio. Okay. This is hard this week. So, uh, fuck, Mary kill. Dr. Joe, Dr. Melissa, Dr. Question Mark Haynes. Yeah, you're Ryan. Right. Nope. Dow's up. Yeah. No, Ryan. Okay. Who's Haynes again? <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. She's uh, she's the, uh, the only other female... Oh, my bad. <laughs> oh, she's the mousy girl. Yeah, okay. she's she's the secretary from Intolerable Cruelty with. Uh, <laughs> never mind. All right, I'm gonna marry Doctor Joe because I mean Helen Hunt. Life's gonna be exciting. Something about those glasses. I'll give her. I'll give her some. I'll give her a run for her money. I'll uh, I'll fuck Haynes and I'll kill Doctor Melissa. There. I got something completely different. I married Doctor Melissa for stability. <laughs> She, I was going to say, she is a doctor, but... <laughs> They're all doctors, apparently. <laughs> Sans Tucker Carlson. Um, 
I'm, I fuck Dr. Joe and I kill Dr. Slug, question mark Haynes. Uh, I got Dow. Yeah. yeah. Mary <laughs> Melissa, fuck Joe. Unfortunately, kill Haynes. Dude, I bet fertility psychiatrists make just bank. Ahead of her time. She had a cell yeah. phone. Exa- like she was taking calls. Yeah. That's billable hours, dude. <laughs> exactly. <I was> about <laughs> <to say. laughs> That's billable hours. Real quick, I just wanted to say, I'd be remiss not to mention, because I think you're you're a are you you're a truck guy, aren't you, Antonio? Yeah. You drive a truck, right? But you're a Ford guy, right? No, I'm a Dodge guy. Okay, that's what oh. I thought. Okay. That red Dodge truck in this movie. I know you you're too young to remember when that truck shows up. I remember my dad in the theater. Obviously, it's just us. He goes like, that's a pretty truck. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so, that's such your dad move. That's I, such your dad move. I really thought we were going to go get a Dodge Ram truck as soon as this movie was over. I was going to say, did Dodge sponsor this? Because the Dodge Caravans were the... It was, it was the most noticeable. I, I had a couple of things I didn't. I'm trying to rush them real quick that I didn't mention. Product placement was was one of the things that this movie was hammered on because it was all the Dodge products. A couple other things. Jeep, the uh, Helen Hunt's Jeep at the beginning, which is also a Dodge product now. Um, the Dodge Caravans, all that. Fun fact, this was the first movie ever to be on DVD. Whoa. Interesting. Yeah. Twister was the first ever dvd home and that's movie. a great one to have because like the behind the scenes and all that stuff the extra special features would have been pretty good sorry so i just had to say those real quick because that that dodge truck even seeing it now i was like oh it was so, pretty it was pretty he's like what kind of insurance you got on that liability, <laughs> like, liability. which nitpick it's a brand new thing they're not gonna let you walk out of there with liability if you if you paid in full they will Ooh. So if you don't pay in full, then you have to take full coverage. That's an adult move right there. That's 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 something only adults would do. As a kid, you don't even think about stuff like you're like, what's liability? Well, Insurance. My, you just drive a car. My 35 year old child ass was like, how yeah. did they let him go? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I've never paid a car in full. In full. It, yeah, if, if you paid in full, they don't care. But if you if you haven't paid for it, you have to take full coverage. As soon as we get our podcast side hustle going, I'm gonna pay for something with. And walk out of there. Going, Brian's Lab- got liability on everything. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go liability <laughs> only, bitches. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead with the next one, Antonio. Uh, next one. Fuck Mary Kill. Uh, Bill, Doctor Jonas, and Dusty. Yeah, Doctor Jonas. I'm marrying again. Mm-hmm. Stability. He knows. He knows what it's about as an adult. He's a doctor. And how could you not just want to get in the sack with Dusty? The things that would happen in there. Like, you're like, he's teaching you some stuff, right? Like, that's like, you want that early 20s, like, let me learn some things for the future. And then Bill Paxton, I would just be like, you are a moron. (laughs) I don't care if you know where a storm is heading. That is useless information to me. (laughs) In light of new events, I would. (laughs) What are the new events? New events being the the liability thing. I would fuck Dusty. I would I would fuck Dusty because he knows about the suck zone. Sure. Sure. I would marry Bill because the dude's got so much coin he could He's a he weatherman. Buy, he, yeah. He can walk out of a he can walk out of a car dealership with a new truck yeah. liability only. Dude's making bank. Thirty five thousand in ninety six is like a million dollars now. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jonas, he's probably paying off school loans. It's the 90s, so I'm going to kill him. Okay. That That's not cool. why I killed Dr. Jonas. I just kill him just because he's a, he's a dick. 
Yeah, Th- those government contracts, though. Uh, I- I'm with uh, I'm with Brian on this one. Yeah, yeah. Mary, Mary, Doctor Jonas, fuck Dusty for a good time, and fortunately, kill Bill. Kill Bill. That's All right. Good. I've been waiting for this one. I'm prepped. <laughs> you you printed it out. I love that. <laughs> For you reference, have the visuals. If, are you going to put that as a thumbnail? You, I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to, I'm going to okay. try. See if I can figure out how to do it. If not, we'll, we'll have this on on the Insta. I'll, I'll post it on the Insta. Oh yeah, as well. That's fair. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So we decided to have a little bit of fun with me being a wrestling nerd. Uh, back in the early '90s, there was a tag team called the Natural Disasters, and <laughs> uh, they were former tag team champions. They comprised of an individual named Earthquake, and his tag team partner was named Typhoon. Around the same time, there was a famous Texas wrestler uh, named Kerry Von Erich, but in the WWF, he was known as the Texas Tornado. So, <laughs> fuck, Mary kill. Earthquake, Typhoon, Texas Tornado, go. I think you thropple Earthquake <laughs> slash Typhoon. <laughs> You can fucking marry whoever you want out of that, but they're a tag team and you know what you're like. <laughs> That's a thropple if I've ever seen one. <laughs> they're like, slap hands, let's go, boy. <laughs> and you kill Texas Tornado. <laughs> God, that hurts. The Von Ericks are like Texas wrestling royalty. Texas royalty, period. I would fuck... Typhoon, I would marry Texas Tornado, my native Texas boy, and I would kill Earthquake. And let me tell you why. It's 1992. Wrestling. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just remember. Okay, I don't remember the exact time. Like, what do you remember about any of this? Please regale me. I remember they lost the belt. God damn, who did they lose the belt to? Had to have been Money Inc. No, no, I think it was. Um, Ha- uh, Hawk and uh, oh, yeah. Road Warriors. The Road Warriors. I'm pretty sure it's the Road Warriors. And the reason why it was was because Earthquake tried to knock out or tried to cheat. He wound up hitting the ref. And I'm pretty sure Hawk wound up <laughs> pinning you Typhoon. Guys are and they lost wrestling the nerds, that. dude. Jesus. <laughs> I, I looked at this picture. It's like, are these just two hobos you found on the side of the road? <laughs> With with leotards and belts around there, like who are these guys? So I'm a I'm a Mary Earthquake. You you, re- you ready for some more wrestling nerd talk? Uh, Let's Brian? do it. Let's do it. So I don't know if it was in it was obviously this was before I was born or right when I was born, but in '89 or '90, Earthquake got Jake the Snake Roberts Python and did his finishing move, the Richter scale on it. I think is what it was called. And he just like on a python on a python and just smashed it. And then like a couple weeks later, he was doing a cooking show and he used the meat from the snake oh. to make like <laughs> snake burgers. So earthquake, you marry him because if you're ever stuck in the wild, dude's resourceful, taken care of. Yeah, <laughs> you're taken you're care taken of. care of. Uh, you fuck the Texas tornado because I mean, look at that steroid bod. Yeah, and uh, man, I love Typhoon, but my guy's got to go. Oh man, that's nuts! Where was Peta in all of this? (laughs) (laughs) Different time, not fly in today's day and age. We're we're gonna get a whole new audience with that last segment. (laughs) (laughs) 
We're gonna I, get the tiger. We're gonna get the Tiger King podcast. <laughs> I'll welcome him. Welcome. Pull the rest. That's why you don't pay. That's why you don't pay for a marketing team. <laughs> New audience. Um. Thanks, guys. This is fun. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Yeah.